All right. Good morning, everybody. Today we have a great episode of the Tea Podcast. So we're going to be talking with a uh, fellow leadership classmate, leadership Lafayette classmate, uh, Nicole R. Johnson. Um, she is the owner of CPR To Go, local farming entrepreneur, and like I said, a leadership Lafayette classmate. She does a lot of other things. She's involved in Fightinville Fresh. She's involved with the Fresh Growers Collective and L4S Farms. We're going to be talking about all that and more. And so just stick with us. So before we get too far, I'm going to let you know about our presenting sponsor, Chase Group Construction. They take the lead and become your one point of contact for the entire design build process. So if you're looking to build a new business, new structure, or renovate a business, they are your people to go to. They have a diverse portfolio of projects that range from medical to popular restaurants and to a multi-unit shopping center developments. Their website is chasegroupconstruction.com. You can check them out online, Facebook, Instagram. He makes a ton of videos. He does like his own uh, progress updates of the the businesses that he's helping build and a uh, super great guy local and uh, they are supporting us. So check them out. All righty. <clears throat> so Nicole, how goes it? It goes. Look, let's move the microphone a little closer for you. There we go. You want to get kind of intimate with it. Okay. Uh, hey, Mike. All right. It might be good. Right there. All right. All right. Okay. So, Nicole, Nicole, man, um, we met a few years ago, uh, and I want to say, you might have a better memory of this, I think one of the first times we met was probably with my business partner? Yep. Yep, Mm -hmm. okay, and so at that point, you guys were talking about CPR to go, and I think there was like some rebranding stuff, Mm -hmm. and I think that they may have changed. And I think you were also part of, um, was it Accelerate Acadiana or was yes. that something that involved? Yes, it was a uh, Accelerate Acadiana. Um, I think it was a partnership so far back um, with Opportunity Machine and maybe uh, the Community Fund. Okay, yeah. Um, but, uh, yeah, that was my first Accelerator program that I went through. Um, and actually I got pregnant right after that. Oh, wow. Um, and so those ideas kind of fizzled cause you know, motherhood kind of took over, but, um, yep. That's where we first met. Um, yeah. 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 So tell me a little bit about you. Um, are you originally from Lafayette? I'm from New Iberia. New Iberia. From All right. New Iberia. The Barry, huh? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. The B-Town. <laughs> um, moved to Lafayette in 2020. I went to UL and um, I graduated in 2005 and worked for FEMA for a while. Um, Hurricanes Katrina and Rita had just happened. And so I moved to New Orleans for maybe about four years and then moved right back to Lafayette. So Lafayette has been my home uh, since the early 2000s. So why did you move to New Orleans? Um, just because that's what the work was. Okay. Um, originally when I worked for FEMA, I was working 
the Rita disaster working in a million. Um, okay, that makes sense, obviously, yeah. with FEMA, yeah. And then um, just growth opportunities became available, and they were mostly in New Orleans because the Katrina disaster was, you know, just a little more um, significant. Well, I shouldn't say significant, but it, it was bigger. There was more need there yeah. than it was here. And so I just kind of followed the, the money and the opportunities. And then when that was over, I moved right back to Lafayette. Um, that was a different New Orleans. New Orleans right after Katrina was oh, yeah. Yeah, very different from what it is now or what it was before. So would you move back to New Orleans today? Um, so I have actually talked to my boyfriend about that because there's a huge farming community in, really? yeah, in New Orleans. Like, the buy local, shop local, support farmers, that whole movement in New Orleans is way more uh, progressive than it is here. We try in, but, you know. You would think that with a rural community like we are, yeah. that we would be more involved or more of a farming, inclusive style place. Right. If you're not growing soybeans or sugarcane. Sugar <laughs> Maybe corn. I mean, they like you do what you know. Um, but uh, the other thing is, Louisiana has such a long growing season, and we can grow pretty much everything um, except for like some tropical things. You know, um, oranges. No, we could grow oranges. We can grow. Here. Okay, mm-hmm. but you know, things that might grow in like more tropical areas. Dragon fruit. Yeah, we can. Oh, uh, we can't grow that. We can. Okay. okay, we can. I have one uh, farmer friend. He has, but he's experimenting growing uh, dragon fruit. But um, I guess we could. But um, depending on what our winters do, you know, a tropical area where they have like. Hardly no winter, like a Florida or Jamaica. Or say it's like, it gets as maybe as low as 65, 75. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, they can grow um, really like, um, what's a good example? So soursop. Soursop is a really um, awesome fruit. Uh, it tastes like kind of like a pineapple, apple mix. Uh, it's real creamy. And uh, it's cancer healing. Like, it's something that people use for treatment. It's high in uh, antioxidants cancer. and all mm-hmm. that. Yeah. Yep. And so in Jamaica, it grows wild. I have uh, some friends from Jamaica, and their families have, you know, those trees in their backyard. You know, <laughs> star fruit. Um, so... There are some things that we are limited on, but we could grow a lot of fruit and a lot of vegetables here in Louisiana. And farming is not sexy to people, you know? It's not sexy. Like, back in the day, that's what our people did, you know? Yeah. That's how we survived. Um, well, I guess in, in terms of sexy, I mean, if you think about the, uh, if she thinks my tractor's sexy song, I mean... Stuff like that, but like <laughs> actually getting in there in the dirt and the weeds, yeah, no, not not too sexy, right, 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 yeah. We are, um, we've definitely uh, modernized, and we want to be in the AC. In front oh yeah, of a computer. Um, <laughs> we don't want to be plowing. No Nobody fields. wants to plow. What are yeah. you talking about? But man, the other side of that, you have like this huge harvest that you could like survive off of you can barter with other people um but we've definitely gotten away from it we've gotten away from that and we've definitely 
are more um, dependent on um, the grocery stores. Yeah. And um, the <clears throat> government and the powers to be to really supply us with fruits and vegetables. Right. You know? Right. But we could do that ourselves. I know. Yeah. Um, before we go too far, we have a few comments. The comments uh, are going a little wild because everybody wants to say, hey, so Katrina King, who is the executive director of Leadership Lafayette, she said, go, Nicole, and hey, Ben Powers. Hey, Katrina. Hey, Katrina. We got Shira in the podcast listening. All right. And, and then also, um, <laughs> for your birthday, happy Aww, birthday, right? Thank you, thank that, you. Shira, make sure to mention that podcast for her birthday. Love it. Um, <laughs> and then a, all right, somebody said my screen is frozen. Um, hopefully it's not frozen. And then Brent Broussard says, what's up, people? Um, hey, Brent. Charles, I don't know if my screen is still frozen. Um, maybe we're not moving enough. So um, if it is still frozen, do let me know. But as long as you can hear us, that makes the most for me. But I think I think my screen looks like it's moving. Um, so uh, with those kind of greetings out of the way, um, so CPR to go. It's a little bit different than farming. Mm -hmm. um, what? How did you get involved in that? Like, what is your? Obviously, you you worked with FEMA. You're you you dig in the dirt and you farm, and you don't maybe you don't want to dig in the dirt. Like you said, you want to be behind a computer. We'll talk a little bit more about farming a little bit more in a second. But how does CPR come into play? Are you a a nurse or were you in the medical field? Like. Where does that come in into your life? Yep. So um, I graduated from UL in business management with a minor in marketing. And then I worked for FEMA. When I worked for FEMA, I um, started training. I did a lot of compliance training. Um, that was kind of the area of the department that I worked in. Safety, compliance, um, and I did uh, a lot of training. Training the employees, uh, the FEMA employees, to work with um, the population, the applicants that were coming in that, um, you know, so New Orleans people are different. Um, <laughs> and so, um, you know, to take somebody from New Orleans who um, has just had their world demolished, mm -hmm. right, because it is hurricane, um, they want answers. I mean, most people do, but New Orleans people, you know, you take that up 10 notches. And so it was a lot of, um, we had to retrain a lot of the female employees on how to interact with this type of person who um, has just gone through a lot. They want answers. They don't really understand the process. And the female process was a very lengthy process. And um, so I started, that's why I kind of started, got my foot into the training kind of compliance world. And so when the FEMA job ended and I moved back, um, my friend um, got me on with a company that she worked for, a healthcare agency, and I did training for them. And um, so I taught all of the new hire orientation, all the annual training, but I couldn't teach CPR because I wasn't CPR certified. And so um, I had to search for a CPR service. And um, just doing that, I found that there was like a gap in that industry. And so I uh, convinced the owner of the company that I worked for to uh, send me to become a CPR instructor, and she did. 
and not a month later she fired me. Oh, and so I. But should, you got your training in. I got my training yeah. in, and so I should add that like I'm not the best employee. <laughs> I just it just doesn't work for me. Um, every job that I've had since I graduated college, I've either gotten fired from or I've gotten laid off from. Um, and so she fired me. I was collecting unemployment, and um, I took my class through Lafayette General. And the the lady at the time, who was the director for the uh, clinical education department, she reached out and she was like, "Do you still want to do this CPR training?" And I was like, "I don't work for the company no more." She said, "That don't matter." The yeah. certification is yours. And she was like, I know people who do this. You know, they train for the community, and um, they make money doing this. And so I was like, okay, let's talk. And so we scheduled a meeting. Um, she gave me – she just gave me the game on, like, what I needed to do. And so um, I – again, I worked for this healthcare agency. And one of the things that I knew is that every client um, – so – Think about an elderly or disabled person that lives in their own home and then them having like a caregiver to go work with them. Right. So all of these caregiver agencies, um, I'm sorry, all the clients, the the uh, participants in the program, they have to sign this freedom of choice list. And the freedom of choice list is basically a directory of all the different agencies that provide this service. And the client literally has to circle that agency's Name and initial it. And that's how they say, this is the agency I want to go with. So that list has the company's name, the owner's name, the email address, a phone number, and so a golden list for me to offer CPR training to. So I literally sent out postcards, and um, I hadn't even got my business license. I just was like, I'm about to start teaching CPR. And so... um, I sent out business um, uh, postcards, I sent out emails, and I got clients. And I started teaching CPR. And um, one of the things that I recognized whenever I was looking for a CPR service when I worked for this company, um, if I sent my employees to that company, they would never show up. They would say they they got lost. It would be all these excuses. They, They got there late and the guy turned them around. So I was like, I'm gonna make my business serve uh, my business service uh, mobile. So CPR to yeah. go right, and so I didn't have an office. I went to their facility and I taught the class, and I would use the library. Um, and so CPR to go is my first um, like business baby. Like that's my first baby before I had my child. That was my baby. <laughs> and so... Um, and when did you start CPR to go? 2011. Two th- okay. Yeah, 2011. Um, my job with FEMA ended 2009. I worked shortly for that company. She fired me. I started CPR to go. And then um, in 2014, I went full-time. Um, I, you know, I got a really, really good, like, statewide contract, and I was traveling all over Louisiana just t- teaching CPR by myself. Um, and then... Um, in 2017, I went through the accelerator program and in 2018, I got pregnant. And so at that point I started contracting with other instructors to help me teach my classes. And that really like the light bulb kind of went off that like, I want to grow this business beyond just like me teaching CPR, you know, um, there's so many industries in, uh, there's so many industries that are required to be CPR certified every two years for the life of their career. So CPR training is not like a want. 
it's a necessity to stay compliant and to stay working. Yeah. So, um, <clears throat> and now I've um, expanded. I teach um, active shooter response training. Um, and then I do a babysitter's training course, and I could do wilderness first aid and some other things. But I'm also working on becoming an OSHA instructor, so I can add that. OSHA? OSHA. Oh, yeah. all right. Yeah. All right. And then um, I'm also a trainer-trainer for the CPR and for the active shooter. I also want to be a trainer-trainer for the OSHA training. So then... Um, Wait, I a trainer-trainer? A, a trainer-trainer. So trainer-trainer is... Someone who could train um, uh, somebody to become a CPR instructor. Okay. Or to become an active shooter okay. instructor. Or to become an OSHA <clears throat> instructor. And then from there, I just want to create this well-oiled um, system of continually um, recruiting instructors and building new instructors and growing on the sales and marketing side and then just matching instructors to classes and not necessarily having to teach class. Um, I think I've been saying since like 2016 or 17, like I am tired of teaching CBR. <laughs> um, it's kind of redundant. You yeah. Know, you put the yeah, video yeah. on, the video kind of tells you what to do. It doesn't challenge me at all. So I want to grow out of the training role and really focus on um Producing more instructors and growing. Multiplying on. what you yeah. already know mm -hmm. across a bunch of people that you yep. can send out to on location. Still, yep. still mobile, mm -hmm. right? Okay. Yeah, I have a location. Um, my office is inside the Opportunity Machine downtown. Um, but most of my clients, I will go to their facility. Again, because as an employer, um, if you tell your employee, go to this location and go take this class, they're going to come up with a million reasons not to go. Yeah. Or they're going to be late. The instructor going to turn <clears> them around. And so, um, so yeah, mostly mobile, but I do have a location. Okay. If need be. Yeah. Um, so, Daisy Kern, uh, she owns the um, the mushroom. All caps. All caps. Yes. All God. caps, gourmet mushrooms. Shout out. Yeah. She says, you're doing all the things. And I was about to say... <laughs> Something very similar. You're doing a lot, but it feels like you're doing the amount that you know you can do. At least what's what it feels like. Yeah. Um, you may be doing a lot more because obviously what I see on this list, there's a lot more things you're involved in. Um, I want to talk more about all the other things and the farming stuff is a big one. But uh, I got some sponsors that I do need to mention real quick and then we will continue on. So our next sponsor is Music Academy of Acadiana. So if you want to unleash your musical potential, let's say you have some potential. And even if you don't, you might be able to foster some potential. Um, they teach students of all ages and styles. So you can be, you know, a jazzy type person. You can be a rock type person, bluesy, R&B, whatever the case may be. Um, they teach piano, guitar, they help you improve your voice. Even if you don't have a voice, they can, you know, put you in a, in a way that can improve it, um, whatever that looks like for you. Um, drums, violin, saxophone, even audio production. So maybe you don't have a voice. Maybe you can hear the voice, 
hopefully, and uh, you know, help make voices sound better, make music sound great. Uh, their experienced instructor caters, to, like I said, to students of all ages and styles. They've even helped graduates excel in college and major music competitions like American Idol and The Voice. Uh, I don't know who watches American Idol anymore. Uh, the Voice, I think, is still somewhat relevant. I see that on TikTok more than American Idol. Um, but still, really cool that they have had students on there. It's founded by UL Lafayette Music School graduate Tim Benson. Uh, check them out, musicacademyacadiana.com. Uh, their goal is to make music lessons fun, educational, and to help foster the next generation of creative thinkers and musicians. And then our next sponsor, and I will... Plug them up right here. There you go. It's EPS, Electronic Protection Systems. So if you have a house or a business, they can help you get hooked up with a smart security system. You know, the ones you can control from your phone, except uh, they're cheaper than like the big national guys. So uh, and they're local, which is really good because all the big national guys are like from Utah, most of them. And they're coming over here trying to scoop all all the the small mom and pop uh, households and getting away from the, the locally owned security systems like EPS. Uh, their security systems have zero down payment, no out-of-pocket expenses. Uh, I know this because they sold me a, a security system before they became a sponsor. So I became a customer before they became a customer of mine. Uh, and I enjoy their products. Uh, they, they do really good uh, with me and never let me down. Literally, I forget to disarm my security system at times and I open up my back door to let my dogs out and the alarm system just full blast goes off and literally not even a millisecond later, my phone is ringing. Hey, is you need any help? Is there an, is there an issue? I'm like, dude, y'all are so quick. And uh, I literally said, no, I uh, just opened up my back door and then my glass break sensor went off. And I said, I screamed. So my glass break <laughs> sensor went off. Uh, I don't know if that's good or bad because my voice must have been high pitch or something, but I freaked out. <laughs> and uh, I told him, no, it's just me. And then I have a code word that you have to give them over the phone. And they said, oh, good. All right. So uh, great monitoring services. They're cheaper than anybody else. They're like $20 a month for monitoring services. So if you pay your equipment off, uh, it's $20 a month and it's still cheaper with the equipment too than the other guys. And also they have whole home water systems. So like, uh, water softeners. Uh, yes, they sold me that too. Um, <laughs> good on them. Uh, they showed me how hard my water was and how it tasted funny. Cause it did taste funny. Um, and they, they did some tests and made it obvious that uh, my water was in a condition where it could be better and also it's better on your appliances so if you have a water conditioning system your appliances like your washer um, your uh, dishwasher anything that has water flowing through it will have less corrosion and all the, the the buildup and all that good stuff it takes off all the hard minerals and um, yeah it improves the taste and smell of the water um, they even give you a little water thing at your sink where it's like triple filtered water fancy stuff i don't know that's good uh, anyway uh, you can check them out at eps-online.com, or we also have a referral link that is right there, link.developinglafayette.com slash EPS. If you use that referral link, we will make some more money, and we all like to make more money. So um, thank you to our sponsors, uh, and, and we'll get back to the regularly scheduled programming here. All right, so I want to go back to something you had said about you not being a good employee. <laughs> I thought that was so interesting and not because of you just being a bad employee or whatever have you. Um, I actually can relate. Mm -hmm. I am the type of person 
uh, from a very young age. And I'm, I'm full disclosure, I'm admitting this, that um, I had an issue with authority figures. Mm-hmm. I was the typical teen, you know, somewhat rebellious. I don't know if I was truly rebellious. I wasn't like a bad kid. But when somebody told me something to do, they were not my mom or dad. And you had like this bossy kind of feel because, you know, being of the millennial age and especially even Gen Z is even worse. Like the authority figures don't fly. Um, I, I did get let go at a few places. Mm -hmm. I, I did my normal personality things as uh, sassy as I can be, apparently, um, according to some people. I don't know if I call myself sassy, but I've been told that I've been sassy, um, even from my parents. And I would be in my employer's building, and I would say something to the effect of, you know, what I thought was normal and what I felt like I needed to say. Mm-hmm. And apparently it was the sassiest thing I could say to the point to where one of the HR people said I needed a slice of humble pie. Mm. And I'm like, whoa, I've never heard that before. What does that mean? And I said, it doesn't sound good. I don't know what humble pie is, but yeah. it doesn't sound yeah. good. Um, yeah. So needless to say, um, I lasted there for about maybe three months, mm-hmm. uh, fired. Um, I did, I did hold some jobs, you know, in the past that I've, I've left from voluntarily. Um, but a lot of them, I was, I was let go for one reason or the other bad employee type stuff. Yeah. And I knew that, uh, since like middle school, high school range that I was going to probably be an entrepreneur mm-hmm. type person. Like yeah. I wanted to be my own boss. And what's bad about being your own boss is you also have to be that person that fusses at yourself. Mm-hmm. You're like, dude, you need to do some work today. Right. Like, why aren't you moving? Mm-hmm. And I beat myself up all the time. So if you ever want to start your own business, you got to be self-motivated. Yes. And that's hard. Definitely a self-starter. It is hard. It is hard. Um, I used to be ashamed to say that every job I've had since college, I've gotten fired or laid off from. But, like, it's almost funny now yeah. Um, but I just now looking back, like you say, like you could look back and see areas where you were like, yeah, this is what I was destined to be. I definitely, I just, I always felt like I knew better than my employee employer. Definitely. Like, yes, you got me doing this. And then the other thing about a job is, um, like having to sit at a desk. Uh huh. From first of all, I feel like a robot. I feel like a robot, like having to come in at a certain time, and then I take lunch at a certain time, and then I take my break at a certain time, and then I clock out at a certain time. Um, I don't know. It just felt. It always felt weird to me to be to think that like this is what my life will be. Um, I, I need to be challenged, and I need variety. And it's probably why I do a whole bunch of things. <laughs> yeah. But um, it just, entre- entrepreneurship has always been, um, you know, something that I've been destined to do. And I'm glad I figured that out sooner than later. But um, when I look back at the jobs that I have had, um, I always felt like I could do better than the balls. Um, they were stupid to me. You know, like just the way they thought um, it was also stupid to me that, like, I could get my job done in 
25 hours and then you paying me for 15 hours to just sit right. and play on Facebook. I thought that was the stupidest thing ever. And so, um, anyway, I just, I know that that's not who I am. Yeah. Uh, and and any time, like in the beginning, whenever I started my CPR training business, and then I did go full time, um, and I'd hit, you know, periods where, like, my cash flow wasn't flowing, um, just thinking about having to get a job will, like, make me emotional and want to cry, like, to have to go back to that, I'm like, I'm I'm out of the woods. I see the light. I'm just not there yet. Yeah. Um, which made me become a better entrepreneur, you know? So um, just using that as motivation. Uh, another thing I always say is, like, you know, there's no L's. We're not losing. We're learning. And so it's always just a learning lesson. And so, um, but, yeah, I I'm not a good employee. I'm not. It just doesn't work for me. I like that. Mm -hmm. You're not losing your learning. Yeah. We're not taking no L's over here, Ben. No. All right. Yes. All right. That's a good takeaway. We take only away. learning. Yeah. yeah. We only learning. Um, so someone who is the queen of sass, Shira. Miss Shira. Yep. She's listening. She said, sassy isn't always a bad thing. Right. And you know that. You know that. <laughs> and you know that too, apparently. Yeah, yeah. Look, you know what? The Developing Lafayette brand, uh, if you're listening um, because of the tea podcast and you don't know what Developing Lafayette is, then uh, you need to check that out. But you're probably, you probably know what it is at this point. Um, the personality of it does echo a lot of my personality, but like I told you, it's amplified. Like when somebody makes a remark, a remark that I look at as condescending or sassy on mm -hmm. their part. Oh, oh, the hairs on my neck yeah. stand up. I'm like, like a cat just yeah. about to pounce. I'm like, sass right. is about to happen. Right. <laughs> sass is about to happen. <laughs> Watch out, yo. And look, you know what? But I do show restraint. There's times where I know the people that are commenting truly don't know what they're talking about. Right. And sometimes it's an educational moment. I'm like, mm -hmm. look. Like, I remember one moment in particular, and look, we're going to get back to you. I, I, I swear, you got a bunch of stuff. We'll get back to you. Um, but I remember one point in particular where I posted about Chick-fil-A on Ambassador and whenever it was blocking traffic and they mm -hmm. were making some updates. And somebody says, why can't they, quotes, they fix the roads? I'm like, who do you, who do you want to fix the roads? That's so easy to do. Chick Fil A is not fixing the roads. Right? That's not their business. Yeah. They pay their business taxes and whatnot to, to go to fixing the roads. Right. But like, why would you make such a blanketed statement? Right. Like, oh, they need to go fix the roads instead of build more bu uh, businesses. You can't that you can't help that. Yeah. Like businesses are going to build. And then I love the fact that it's always the they. Who's they? Them they people. I Them they know. people. Been trying I'm to telling you. Out who that is for the <laughs> so people in the comments will say, "Oh, they need to stop putting businesses on this side of town and start putting businesses on that side of town." I'm yeah. like, if you're talking about the government, they the government they doesn't dictate that. Right. They don't. They're not playing Sims by dropping and dra dragging right, and dropping right, businesses. Right. Do I want more businesses on the north side? Yes. Yeah. And a lot of people sure. they're upset. They're they're seeing the south side grow and like I'm upset about it. Did I want to see Top Golf go on the South Side? Right. No, I don't right. want to drive on the South Side. Right. I would have much rather seen it on the North Side or along I ten where it's easy to get to. Right. 
such as life. So yeah. I tell people, like, look, and I don't try to get too sassy with those people because I know that they're frustrated right. with how things are. But I'm like, look, it is what it is. Businesses are following the best practice to make money. Mm-hmm. And sure. they are looking at statistics on where the money is being spent. Mm-hmm. And it just so happens that you, myself, and every other Tom, Dick, and Harry around this city yeah. is driving to the south side because you see the traffic right. to go to these businesses that are coming. Mm-hmm. So their investment shows that they made the right decision for them. Right. But do we need more on the north side? Absolutely. Yes, we do. So, yes, we do. I know. I know. Yeah. So, going back to you, I want to talk a little bit about L4S Farms. What is that? All right. So, um, just continuing on with my life story. Yep. So, 2018, I got pregnant. And um, prior to that, I went out. So, about the time whenever I went full-time with my CPR training business, um gardening came along as a hobby for me and I turned my backyard that had absolutely nothing (laughs) into like garden bed on top of garden bed on top of garden bed just the whole space now is just a maze of garden beds uh and fruit trees and so um then when my my boyfriend who was a high school friend and um he and I reconnected um his family, uh, his grandfather was a farmer. And so this was something that he remembered from his childhood. And so I had started growing, and then he started growing right along with me whenever, you know, we reconnected. And then we got pregnant in 2018, um, and around that time we had just gotten into um, Lafayette's Master Gardener program. Okay. So we're both Master Gardeners um, with the Lafayette chapter. And Master Gardeners, I love y'all, but um, (laughs) for the most part, it's a bunch of old women planting flowers. And for the most part, um, a lot of them rely on using um, Roundup and weed killers Mm. and pesticides and herbicides. And that was not how we were growing. It sounds like they're they're in it for aesthetics versus sustainability. There are a lot of them in there that um, are about regenerative and sustainable egg uh, or growing, but the majority, um, they are just growing ornamental flowers to make their yards look beautiful. And some of them will add natives, which native plants, you know, they, they help the earth, they help the soil. Um, but a lot of them is just the big showy flowers, the roses, the hydrangeas, the hibiscus, you know. Um, and so although I love that group of, um, of of master gardeners, that just wasn't really our area. We were looking for a little more. And so right when our class was ending, um, uh, LSU Ag Center came out with a program called Grow Louisiana. It was a um, program for beginning farmers, people that had 10 years or less growing experience or farming experience. And uh, it was a mix of um, on-farm trainings, like on-site trainings, and some classroom stuff. And it was talking about um, no-till, farm, no-till farming, um, growing more sustainably and regeneratively where you weren't using um, pesticides and herbicides to, 
you know, kill weeds and kill pests, like learning how to do it in a more natural way. Okay. And that's what we find out. What's like. the natural way? What is one of the natural um, ways? So um, you could do a lot of different things. Um, so as far as for weeds, um, when you plant something, you could plant it uh, using landscape fabric. Okay. So a landscape fabric is just like a cloth. The black somehow, cloth. The black yeah. cloth, yep. And you poke a hole where you're going to put the plant so then the rest of the area that's bare is not growing. You know, the sunlight is not able Got to um, germinate a seed, you know, so water and light isn't getting in to germinate these weed seeds, and then you got all these weeds to pick. So that's one way. Um, and then um, as far as pests go, um, there's this one pest that gets on my tomatoes, which is why I don't really grow tomatoes, like talking about. Um, every morning I go with a bucket and I just knock them into this bucket of soapy water. And um, so it's like hand picking. Um, or you can like plant other things. Like with tomatoes, you could plant basil uh, or marigolds and the scent from the basil deters the pest. Wow. So it's right. just, a, it's, you know, it's really just like working with nature and not against nature. Um, using things like hay or mulch to mulch around your plants versus um, leaving that, again, leaving that soil bare so that weeds could grow. So it's just learning how to work. Regenerative agriculture is really learning how to work with nature and how to give back to nature in a way that um, it gives back to you. So we practice a method called no-till farming. So, you know, um, sugarcane fields, you see them... When they harvest the sugar cane, they burn it down, they transport everything to the plant, and then the land just lays bare um, for until they get ready to plant again. Um, for us, it's always about covering the soil, always covering the soil. Um, and so, um, so let's say I use hay to cover the soil. The hay will eventually break down, and create nutrients for the soil. In regenerative agriculture, we say that we not, like, so um, people will plant and use, um, what is it, miracle Grow? Yeah. To, like, force it to fruit or force it to, you know, bring flowers or whatever. Um, technically, when you farm, you feed the soil, and then the soil feeds the plant. Um, so it's never about just like throwing some miracle grow on it to feed the plant, to push the plant, to produce, to give me what I want. Um, year round, we're adding chicken manure or rabbit manure or worm poop. You know, um, my boyfriend does some worm farming. So just in bins, he has some worms. Um, and these worms are, so first of all, they eat our, uh, scraps. So, Last night I cut a pineapple. Um, the pineapple skins and all the scraps went in the worm pile. The worms will eat this, then the worms gonna poop, and that poop <laughs> we put on our soil. You okay, know? yeah. Um, and so just learning how to use nature to work. So think about in the forest. In the forest, the leaves fall, the animals poop. Um, Life happens. Nobody is like messing with messing it, yeah. with it. And in the forest, things grow big and beautiful. So we trying to grow in a way that kind of mimics that. 
Wow. Um, yeah. Yep. Okay. And so um, when we got into the Grow Louisiana program, I kind of got off a little bit, but when we got into the Grow Louisiana program, we immediately uh, connected with an organization called Earthshare Gardens. And um, uh, so most people know Chris Adams. Uh, he is one of the board members for Earthshare. And uh, he was a facilitator for the Grow Louisiana program. And so um, at Earthshare, they have a farm incubator program. So they have plots. So Earth, um, let me go back a little bit. So Earthshare has a CSA program. That's how okay. they operate. CSA is Community Supported Agriculture. Um, and so basically they have uh, participants who, who participate in a CSA program. Let's say they'll pay Earthshare. This is just an example. I don't know how their program exactly runs. They'll pay them $400 in January. And those $400 allows Earthshare to buy seeds and their time to form. And then in um, spring, like early spring, when things start producing, um, the participants of the program will get um, a $40 share 10 times. So for 10 weeks, they'll get $40 worth of produce for the $400 they paid on the front end. So it's a way to support a farmer or organization on the front end to help them buy the seeds and the supplies to grow the produce. Yeah. And then you get your harvest on the back end once they start harvesting. So that's how Earthshare has always ran. But when we came along, they had some empty plots. And we were like, can we grow on those plots? You know, we didn't have any land to farm on. And so right now we farm still at Earthshare. Um, we rent three 50-foot by 50-foot plots, um, and that's where we do most of our farming. We grow still at our house, but we do most of our farming at Earthshare since Scott. Um, and it's a great program. Again, they've kind of turned it into an incubator program, and so there's a lot of peer-to-peer -peer interaction. So, like, if I have a pest that's eating on one of my crops, I can call somebody from, like, who's working on their plot and say, come see, can you look at this? And they'll say, oh, that's a um, sting bug. You need to do this to rectify this situation. And if you don't, you got about, you got about two days before this bug eats all your crop. Oh, wow. You know, or you can use this organic pesticide um, to spray on it. Um, and so growing at Earthshare has been great because – it's um, somewhat affordable, and um, they offer the water and uh, the tools that we need to farm. So um, right now, uh, Earthshare is growing there. Um, we're growing, my boyfriend and I, L4S Farms. And then um, there's another couple, uh, Tommy and Camilla, they have a business called Wilhelmina's Backyard um, Nursery, and they grow. Um, so we all grow on that space and it's a great little you know small farming community awesome yep. i love it and then you're also involved with uh fightingville fresh so fightingville is a neighborhood right community yep. and so it is a farmer's market that is in the middle of that neighborhood tell me a little bit about that and how you are involved with that yep so when, when we went through grow louisiana grow louisiana that program was for the year of 2020 
So the first thing that they did um, with the Grow Louisiana program is they bust us. It was, uh, I think, 18 participants, and they bust us to this farmers conference that hap- that was happening in um, Little Rock, Arkansas. So for a week, we were um, at this conference, and um, I always say they knew what they were doing because they bust us there. They didn't like flyers there, so like six-hour drive back and forth, you know, the peer-to-peer interactions yeah, were yeah. happening. And um, so my business partners with uh, Fighting Real Fresh are Kim Kulata and Kevin Ardoin. We all rode on the same bus van together. And on the way there, we kind of were talking about, like, you know, the way the world used to be and that there were farmer's markets um, throughout the city because most people stayed within their neighborhood. And so um, because the Fightingville Laplace neighborhood is a very impoverished, um, you know, area with um, high homeless um, population, um, which Kim and Kevin both have history in that neighborhood. Um, We were like, let's start a farmer's market. Like, yeah, we could go, you know, sell to Marcus Park, but let's start this, like, passion project in a neighborhood that (coughs) needs, um, that is a food desert and that needs... Um, access to fresh fruits and vegetables. And so before we left that conference, we already knew the location we wanted to be at. I think Kim or Kevin, one of them, knew the owners um, of the location where we were. And um, so, again, this conversation happened in, like, late January um, 2020, and we opened the, the, the first market for Fightingville Fresh was on Juneteenth of 2020. Wow. So in those, you know, six months, we, um, you know, tracked down the landowners, we uh, signed the deal, we got some insurance, we kind of started reaching out to vendors, and we we had our first farmer's market. Um, And so uh, you mentioned the Fresh Growers Collective. The Fresh Growers Collective is a business that's within side of Fightingville Fresh. So uh, originally what happened, so Kevin, he grows, I don't know, he has over 100 <laughs> acres in Villeplet that he's growing on. Kim and I are small growers. And so when we first were talking about, like, how we're going to open the market, Kim and I decided that we were going to put our produce together and display ourselves, you know, have our display table together. And Kevin, you know, he had his own because he had so much more produce than we have. And so we started growing together. I mean, we started selling with this at the same table together. And we were also responsible for um, getting new vendors. So when people came in and they wanted to vend at Fightingville, um, but they couldn't commit to coming on both Tuesdays and Saturdays, we were like, maybe we could hold their products and we could sell it on a consignment basis. Mm. So the Fresh Growers Collective is literally just our consignment table at Fightingville Fresh. And so it's an opportunity for people who want to participate in the market, they want to have their products available at market, but they can't commit to staying, you know, all day on Tuesday and all day on Saturday whenever we open. So those two businesses kind of go together. Yeah, I love it. Yeah. Man, so the farming aspect of your life seems to be a pretty dominant side. Absolutely. Like, how much time do you spend on your farming 
work and that farming side of you versus the CPR side of you? So, um, thank God for Google Calendar. Yeah. That's how I stay organized. But um, so just to add to that, I also homeschool two five-year-olds. Oh, my God. That's yeah. right. You do yeah. homeschool, too. Yeah. Lord. Um, and I wouldn't change none of that because it's all like I, I imagine like in the next 10 years, things are going to be different. I'm not going to have as much probably in the next five years. I won't have as much responsibility on my plate, but I'll still have all these balls spinning. <laughs> um but it'll just look different. Right now, it's hectic because that's just the place I'm at. But I'm yeah. up for the challenge. But um, mainly, I teach CPR because I'm still in the teacher mode. I teach CPR on um, Wednesdays and Thursdays, mostly. Um, I help my boyfriend at the farm because he's the full-time farmer. I help him on the farm, usually on Sundays. Sundays I really like to take for myself, but going to the farm, playing in the dirt is me time. Um, but Mondays is usually the day that I help him on the farm. So I usually have one or two days for me that I'm at the farm. He goes to the farm every day. Um, so Sunday and Monday um, is family time on the farm. The children come on the farm with us. A lot of homeschool lessons happen at the farm. Um, and then... So Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, um, I homeschool the kids in the morning, and we go to Fightingville from 3 to 5. Um, and then, again, Wednesdays and Thursdays is uh, CPR, and Fridays is my day. Okay. Yeah, Fridays I might take the children to the library in the morning, drop them to my mama, kind of have the, after- the afternoon to myself, can do some you know girl time if I want. Um, and then Saturdays we had we um, so as a farm L4S Farms we've been at Moncus Park, um, we've been doing that since um, March, and so we've been at Moncus Park eight to twelve, and then um, we do Fightingville Fresh in the afternoon from one to four. So every day is already every day has purpose. Yeah. Um, but Mondays and Fridays are really my like. And Sundays are really my down days. Every other day is is go time. I'm at the farmer's market or I'm at the farm or I'm teaching CPR. I'm driving to Shreveport. Yesterday I had a class in the morning in Broussard. I had a class uh, in the afternoon in Baton Rouge. I went to a homecoming in New Iberia. I went out to dinner for my birthday with my family. Yeah. Yeah. So most days are like go, go, go. But I do have some downtime, and I I try to take time for myself. That's good. Yeah. Earlier, you mentioned that you're talking about farming in a more modern way. Um, So not not playing the dirt as much, because farming is a a dirty job. Mm -hmm. Um, What are you you doing right now to try to modernize farming for you guys? Like – you mentioned the computer and all this good stuff. Like, how are you using technology to help in that that work of your life? So, um, for us, really on the planning side. So, um, what month we in? We in October. Yeah, October. <laughs> so, um, in July. We were planning what we were going to farm and what we was going to start putting in the ground for the fall. So we were okay. going to start putting the ground yeah. for August. Um, so we use a system 
that says, okay, if you put this crop in the ground on this date and that crop has like a um, 80 day, 80 days to maturity, then I know in 80 days from there, I'm going to get a harvest of whatever, cucumbers, whatever. Um, I used to, when I first started farming, which was only a few years ago, um, I used to just do that on the calendar. But that took time. Yep. First to decide what we're going to plant to make sure we, you know, do a seed order, make sure we got everything um, down to, like, if I want to, um, if I have a restaurant that wants some cucumbers on this particular day for a fundraiser, then I have to plan back to do that. I now have a system that I use. It's just uh, a farmer who created, like, an open source um, database that, um, like, a, a souped-up Excel spreadsheet yep. that um, just kind of figures all that out for me. Like, if I want to plan on a certain day or I need it harvested on a certain day. But other than that, we don't really use technology. We use our hands and our feet. Um, we, we don't till, so we don't even, like, we don't even have, like, tractors. Okay. Um, and so, L4S Farms, we grow mostly turmeric, ginger, and medicinal herbs. Nice. Hence the guy turmeric shirt. Oh, yeah. Uh-huh. So, um, we grow medicinal herbs, and then we make products from it. So, uh, one of our flagship products is, um... Uh, the black turmeric. So black turmeric is um, maybe about 10 times more medicinal than the common yellow turmeric that everybody knows about. Yep. Turmeric helps with inflammation. It it really helps with like every ailment, every issue we deal with in our body. Turmeric can help because most of our issues are because of inflammation. And so um, black turmeric tastes really nasty. It's not good. <laughs> for culinary purposes at all is really bitter. But if you know anything about the medicinal, like herbal, holistic world, they always say the more bitter uh, a spice or herb is, the better it is for you. Um, most people know. Um, that sounds like my dad. Whenever he, whenever I would want my crust taken off on the uh, the my PB and J, um, he goes, "Oh, the crust is uh, the best part." That's what a that's what a goodness is. Yeah. Um, I don't know about a PB and J, but um, like on an apple, the skin, yeah. yeah. So, um, but uh, so when we first started selling the black turmeric, and we would sell it, you know, just fresh. And then we would inquire with customers, like, what you did with it? Oh, it's still sitting on my counter to the point where it's like, oh, it dried out and I threw it away. So we started making products just to make it more practical for people to actually take the black turmeric. So, so you, you make it in like a gel cap or something? So we um, have a capsule. Um, we dehydrate it, powder it, and put it in a capsule. Um, we also make a tincture. A tincture is just an extraction of that herb and so we use glycerin um glycerin is like a sweet sappy like byproduct of vegetables and so in big pickle jars we do glycerin and the black turmeric and a little black pepper and we just let it sit for six to eight weeks and then we strain that liquid off and we pour it in two ounce bottles and we sell it like that. So you call that a tincture. How do you consume that? Like So the bottle has a dropper mm -hmm. top and you would just take a dropper full 
um, and you could put it in beverages. Oh, okay. Um, or you could, um, the best way to take it is sublingually, which is under your tongue. You um, put it under your tongue, you hold it for 30 seconds, and it absorbs into your system faster that way. Um, and so wow. um, we have customers that use our black turmeric products. Um, it replaces their like Tylenol or aspirin or, you know, any of their pain relief um, over-the-counter things that they use. They've replaced it with Replace that. Replace? Oh, wow. Man. Yeah. Yeah. That is, um, that is so interesting to, I'm going to have to look into the black turmeric stuff because yeah. I've never, I knew obviously yeah. uh, organic herbs and spices, you know, depending on what it is, can help with inflammation and especially your antioxidant type rich um, herbs and spices. But man, um, replacing medication, per, you know, within reason, but that is so interesting. Yeah. So the active ingredient in all turmerics is uh, a compound called curcumin. Curcumin is the most powerful anti-inflammatory uh, compound ever. Black turmeric has the highest level of curcumin of any plant species. So not just turmerics, but of any plant species, because there are other uh, plants that have curcumin in it also. Black turmeric has the highest level. So wow. um, it's, it's really powerful. And so um, just uh, to plug, we sell... Uh, the black turmeric uh, tincture, the capsule, and we also make a skin healing salve with the black turmeric. We sell those products at Drug Emporium. We sell them at Five Mile Eatery in the All Center. And we also uh, sell them uh, in Liberia at Natural Nutrition Center. So what are they looking for? They're looking for your, is that, what logo so, are they looking for? Um, Usually, well, first of all, if they ask anybody at those places about the black turmeric products, they can tell you, they can point you to where it is. But um, it's black turmeric products from L4S Farms. Okay, L4S. Um, and so, uh, oh, I didn't add Coffee Wheat Cottage on Simcoe. Okay, so they yeah, have it too? Yeah, wow. we have Coffee Wheat Cottage. Nice. Um, the owner is Denise. She yeah. had it for about a week. And she and she's said, just down the road from Fightingville. She's just around, yep, yep. She's our neighbor at Fightingville. Um, she had it for about a week, and then she said, is this black turmeric stuff addictive? And I said, <laughs> it can be if you want it to be. But she was like, I love this. It's helping me sleep better. She rambled off all the different, like, benefits that it's having for and every customer says different things i have one lady who um she has cancer oh no and um she's been taking it actually i have two um two clients that um for sure i know they're dealing with a cancer situation but this lady comes to the market and she tells me how her levels they aren't getting worse they're not getting better but they stay in the same and um, for her, that's progress because the numbers were starting to get worse. She's been on the um, black turmeric tincture probably for about four months. Okay. And um, she said that's the only thing I've been doing different besides, like, the medicines they might, you know, whatever, um, the black turmeric tincture. And I have another guy who he comes for his mother-in-law who has cancer, and he said same thing. Like, her numbers, there sometimes they get better, but for the most part, they stay in the same. And for them, that's progress, you know, because the numbers could be getting worse, yeah. you know. But um, they all say they have a better appetite. They um, 
are not as nauseous anymore. Um, but if you research black turmeric in India, which which is where it originated from, it heals everything. They use it for everything. I had a lady who come visit at the farm um, from India. I had never met her. We put a call out for for uh, volunteers to come help us, and she came. And she looked at the leaf, and she said, is that black turmeric? I said, yeah. And she just started spewing out, like, 20, 30 different things that they use in India, including healing cancer, diabetes, high blood sugar, um, um, high blood pressure. Wow. Like, yeah. Um, acne. She said if they have acne, they go and dig some up and they rub it. Yeah, because I mean, acne is inflammation exactly. of the skin. Yeah, exactly. Every ailment pretty much that we deal with is because inflammation. of inflammation. Heartburn. Exactly. Mm. Yep. I have a friend who has heartburn and... Um, Acid reflux. Yep. When she said, I like eating hot chips, I can't help myself. She was like, <laughs> but I eat my hot chips, and then I use my um, black turmeric, and it makes my heartburn go away. Wow, yeah. man. Yeah. Okay. So yeah. what could somebody expect to pay for black turmeric um, products from you guys? Like, what does that look like? So um, our price range is like 20 to 35 depending on the product. Um, and like, is that like a, for a month? Is that for two months? Like, what's the usually a two month supply? Okay, mm-hmm. okay, nice. Yep. Yeah, the tincture that I've been talking about, that tincture we sell, it, we sell it for thirty three. Some of the other retailers that we at, they sell it, you know, a dollar or two higher. Um, but that's a two month supply. Nice. Mm-hmm. And then uh, I was looking at the comment section on the video, and uh, Daisy Kern, who with with all caps again, she said black turmeric every day. Yeah. So if she's saying it, yeah. and she does the whole shrooms vibe right. stuff, I mean, there's a lot right. of benefits in that situation. Because I had her on uh, several months ago talking about the benefits of, like, lion's mane and all these other. Uh, she even gave me a couple of samples of some stuff, and I use it, mm-hmm. like, in my cooking. And then I put some lion's mane. And I think there was um, another one. I can't remember. Sorry, Daisy. I know there was two of them that gave me lion's mane and something else. Uh, turkey tail? Turkey tail, uh-huh. yes. And I'll put a drop of that or two in my water. Yep. It changes the flavor of the water slightly, mm-hmm. but it's, um, you know, I'm like, you know what? I just, I, it'll, it'll go just down. Just trusting it, huh? Yeah, I'm yeah. trusting uh-huh. it. Uh, Daisy, I don't know if that stuff expires. I don't um, know. So I'm going to speak on her behalf, and Daisy, forgive me if I'm wrong, but most tinctures can last like several years, five years. Um, I think her tincture is alcohol-based, and so, it, yeah, it should last five. And that's the stuff with the little dropper, mm-hmm, right? Okay. Yep, some tinctures could last up to 10 years. Wow. This is how, back in the day, they preserved the crops that they harvested, you know, so that it could last longer. Because, again, back in the day, food was medicine. But I do want to shout out Daisy again. That's my girl. But um, that turkey tail and uh, the lion's mane tinctures, yeah, I use them every day. Okay. Yeah, along nice. with some other products that I could spill out if y'all got some time. Sea <laughs> um, moss, sage of sea moss, angels ginger water, um, the brew. She has a uh, man. She has a. Uh, uh, it's not sweet dreams. Sleepy time is this tea tincture combination. Um, I can't think of the name of it, but the brew. Um, Oh, um, the Monglier tea mm-hmm. with um, Brave um, Brave Brew, Blackbird. I've no, you know I, she, yeah. I, I think I've heard of it, but I haven't had any experience with yeah. it. Yeah, um, 
cold season is coming. Oh no. Go get you some Blackbird Botanical Monglier tea. You gotta have that too. Okay. I'm probably slipping on some people right now, but um, between the farmers market, there's a lot of food there, but there's also a lot of great healing products there too that that are locally made. Nice. That are made by people yeah. that you know, um, and it didn't sit in a warehouse for forever. It was made and presented right to you. I know, like, the products I make, they, you know, two weeks maybe, you know, um, that has been made. It's not sitting on a shelf. Um, and so there's a difference when you know the person who grew it or processed it versus it coming from Indonesia and it's set on a truck or in a warehouse for Lord knows how right. long before it was presented to you. So um, just putting it out there. No food, no farmers, no food, and know where your food come from. I I like that. No farmers, no food. Yeah. And it, it goes both ways. The, the K-N-O-W and the N-O-W. Right. There you go. Right. Yeah, that makes right. sense. Yeah. yeah. Wow. God. Yeah. Um, so, local people. Yeah. Shira says, great interview, sis. Oh, um yeah, I I think man, this was this is great. I think I learned a lot about what you do because I've always wondered. Like, even though we're in Leadership Lafayette together, uh, the majority of Leadership Lafayette days are filled with so much so much information yeah. that to 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 absorb anything else that day is hard. Yes. But I've always and you and I we have talked before right. years ago, but I've always wanted to have you on and like really understand kind of what you do and the, the whole farming thing is just fascinating to me because I, I come from a rural area where farming was more prevalent than Lafayette right. is. But I love seeing that, that grassroots kind of all pun intended mm-hmm. movement yeah. to, to make farming more um, not mainstream, but when, what's the, what's the thing I'm talking for? Just more, more, common yeah that's what that's yeah. something more like i sort of say a household name but mm-hmm. that's more branding related but yeah more common in the community and i think that what you guys are doing with you know, even daisy and you guys with uh l4s farms i mean that's that's really doing and then kevin you mentioned kevin i tried to get kevin on the podcast probably in 2020 mm-hmm. and there was a moment where he had to reschedule and we never did actually reschedule and he had um some crops that he had to deal with, and he had to like, you know, that's farming. Yeah, and farming. he had to end the, the the scheduling there. But I want to get him back on because he's also owner of uh, is it Cafe Twenty Point Three. Yeah, two twenty point three. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. Uh, I I actually connected with them. I was going to do something with them on that, and I still haven't made it there. But um, I really want to do that because he seems like a super interesting guy. Yeah, yeah. he got a lot of great things going yeah, on. Yeah, yeah, great guy. All right, Nicole. Well, I am grateful that you were able to come on, and I'm super glad that we had this conversation. And hopefully, the people listening, if they haven't learned anything or uh, at least about you, about what you do, uh, I hope they took something away um, from that. And uh, if the, if you don't take anything away, take this away. Um, there's no L's, only learning. We not. Taking no L's over here. All right. <laughs> Thank you, All man. Right. I appreciate you. Yeah, uh, Nicole, I appreciate you too. Hopefully, you have a great weekend. It yes. is Friday. I know you're you're always so busy. 
Yes. So um, I know Friday's your day. It's my day. Farmer's Market tomorrow. Come to Mocha's Park, 8 to 12, Five Mill Fresh, 1 to 4. Yeah, and then one more person, too. Um, the the hydroponics, Cajun. Oh, Cajun Acres. Yeah, Cajun yeah. Acres. She does some really cool stuff. I had her yes. on, too. So, like, you guys are just like a whole farming community, man. I love it. Yeah, come make uh, you groceries at the farmer's market. We got you. There you, you. go. Yeah. All right. Well, that's it, guys. Hope you enjoyed the episode. And, again, Nicole, uh, thank you for coming on. Thank you. All right. That is it, guys. Uh, enjoy the rest of your day. Uh, don't forget, if you're still listening, tomorrow is the day to vote. Um, I think it is tomorrow, right? The 14th? Yes. Uh, and if you haven't early voted, I have not early voted because I like voting on the day uh, for whatever me weird too. reason. It feels I, the energy is different. Um, yeah, the yeah. energy is different for me. I like I like going to the poll and everybody's like energized yeah. about you know whether no matter what you're voting for. I just I love that energy. So uh, everybody seems to be in good spirits. Anytime I've ever gone, nobody's talking bad about anybody. Right. I think that's all media hype. Whenever you watch TV and for or sure. news, it's it's all media bias. But when you go to a place and you're talking with people most people are on the same page they just want they just want to have a good life yeah and they are not 100% sure that their vote is where they want to go but that's what they believe is the right way and right. that's we're all, I think we're all headed in the same direction sure. we just want to live a good life mm-hmm. and uh, be prosperous and not be broke. <laughs> that part. <laughs> all right, all right. Okay, I'm pretty sure Shira's like, okay, wrap it up, Ben. <laughs> all right. Well, uh, again, Nicole, thank you for uh, coming on. Thank you, thank you. All right, y'all have a good one, guys. All right.